Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the 2018 football season and whether Syracuse can make a bowl game. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stick Schulte, and our guest today is ESPN.com's Andrea Adelson. Andrea, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Always love joining you. Thanks for having me again. And Andrea, we'll get you started on this one. DeAndre Francois for Florida State and Kelly Bryant for Clemson were named the starters at quarterback on Monday. Do you see the Atlantic Division returning to FSU and Clemson battling for 1-2 again after an off year for FSU? I do. I picked them 1-2 in the Atlantic, Clemson 1 and Florida State 2. Even though Florida State had a rough year last year and has a new head coach in Willie Taggart and a new coaching staff, uh, this is still the second most talented team in the ACC, I think, right behind Clemson. Remember, under Jimbo Fisher, they recruited at such a high level that they always had the best recruiting class in the ACC under Jimbo Fisher. So it's not as if that talent magically disappeared with Jimbo Fisher. In fact, they really didn't have a lot of player transfer or player turnover after Jimbo Fisher left. And so with this decision to go with DeAndre Francois, I think it's going to give them the best chance to win. I'm not surprised at all that that is who Willie Taggart Chose. Remember, DeAndre Francois was the starter last year before getting hurt uh, against Alabama. I think that he uh, showed a lot of promise this fall uh, once he was completely healed from that knee injury, much more consistent, made fewer mistakes, and he's a better leader. And that's really what Willie Taggart wanted to see out of him. He wanted to see him grow up, become more mature, stop getting into off-the-field uh, incidents the way he did this offseason, and really be somebody that the players on this team wanted to play for and rally around. And Willie Taggart has said he has seen that out of DeAndre Francois, uh, and so I do think it's going to be a return to Clemson and Florida State in the Atlantic this year. Andrea, we always talk about the Atlantic Division, and the Coastal Division is sometimes an afterthought, so let's give them some love. Who do you see coming out of the Coastal Division? You know, Miami fans might take issue with me saying Florida State is more talented than Miami, but I hold to that statement because I do think they have just a little bit more depth across the board. Maybe not at every single position, but I do think that Florida State has a slight edge on talent with Miami. And so having said that, I think Miami's the third most talented team right behind those two. And I've got them winning the Coastal Division this year, right in line with the media picks. Um, the Coastal is an interesting division, as it always is. 
because there's a lot of uncertainty with a whole bunch of teams. And so I am going with the most conservative choice here in Miami. I like the defense that they have coming back, particularly the linebackers and the secondary. I think that back end probably behind Clemson is the best in the ACC. Uh, and on offense, so Mark Rick has been very pleased with the strides that Malik Rozier has made at quarterback. A lot of inconsistency from him toward the back end of 2017, but he is the unquestioned guy. And there was a competition. He was being pushed by several redshirt freshmen, and he really wasn't challenged, I don't think, as much as the Miami staff had hoped. So it's Malik Rozier again. They feel better about their offensive line. They've got some good app options at both running back and receiver. So, and the schedule plays out really nicely for Miami as well. So they're my pick in the Coastal. Andrea, every year we have a player that we're not talking about in August, but we are definitely talking about in December and January. Who will be that breakout player in the ACC this year? Well, I'm following along with other people who have declared Boston College as a dark horse team. Uh, That's also my dark horse pick for this year. Uh, And there's a couple of reasons why I feel that way. Number one, A.J. Dillon. Um, And a lot of people who watched him play last year probably aren't surprised to hear that. I think he's got the potential to be a 2,000-yard back. And he also wants to be more versatile this year. I had a chance to talk to A.J. Dillon a little bit this summer, and he was telling me he feels like a much more complete back. You know, he's a power back, but he's also got speed and athleticism. And Boston College also plans to use him a lot more out of the backfield in the passing game. They feel great about their offensive line. Anthony Brown's coming back off of an injury at quarterback, and so the passing game remains a question. But offensively, it's going to revolve around A.J. Dillon. And every time Boston College has a strong run game, they're generally a very good team. Defensively, there's a lot of future NFL draft picks starting on that line with Zach Allen at defensive end. Will Harris is safety. Lucas Dennis also back there in the secondary. So, a lot of really talented players on this Boston College team. Uh, and even though uh, they had a disappointing loss in their bowl game a year ago, um, there was a lot of momentum for this team just in terms of the teams that they were able to beat. Uh, they handled Florida State. Uh, they went on the road and, and handled Louisville. Uh, and, and they generally have played well against NC State. So when you look at some of those teams that are games that could go either way, I think Boston College – um, is in good position. They're, they're, they, they've got a tougher crossover um, opponent in Miami this year, but that's at home on a Friday night, and that could be a game that Boston College ends up winning. So that's a team that I'm sticking with uh, in terms of a dark horse because I really believe in, in A.J. Dillon and the power of that run game this year. Let's talk about Syracuse football for a moment. We are in year three of the Dino Bakers era. Do you like the direction that the team is headed? I do, and I've had a lot of faith in what Dino Bakers brings to the table since the moment that he was hired, and I know um, the win-loss results haven't been what any fan wants to see, uh, but let's remember that the last few Novembers, uh, they haven't had their starting quarterback because he's been injured, and that's a point that Dino Bakers likes to make when we talk is, you know, I'd love to have my starting quarterback available to me in November, and that's kind of when things uh, starts to get really tough or have started to get tough for Syracuse the last couple of years under Dino Babers. So the number one key, obviously, and I'm not the only one to say this, is trying to keep Eric Gungy healthy. 
into November, you look at some of the wins that this team has had, you know, the Clemson win, the Virginia Tech win. Now it's a matter of doing that consistently. And also this season, a big key is winning these non-conference games that they should be able to win. You know, uh, 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 opening on the road at Western Michigan is not going to be easy, but that is a game that they absolutely have to win. They can't uh, fall upset victim in that one on the road on a Friday night to open the season. UConn absolutely has to win. And then, obviously, you got Notre Dame at the end of the season. Uh, talk about a, a November game with an asterisk on it. So, to me, a lot of this season is going to depend on the health of Eric Dundry and also what they do in some of these non-conference games and, and pulling one of those classic upsets they've been able to do under Dino Babers. Um, we'll see if this team has it in them to, to get to six. Andrea, that's a perfect segue into my final question. Do you think Syracuse has it in them to win six games and get to a bowl game? I think it's going to be really tough this year um, because you add in Notre Dame uh, into the mix, and that's a team right now that's a preseason top 15 that a lot of people have high expectations for. Um, North Carolina coming in, I think, could be or should be a game uh, that this team wins. But, you know, again, when you look at the bulk of that um, Atlantic division and how difficult a lot of those games are going to be, and I think Pitt is going to be better this year. Uh, they're a team that I think has finally figured things out at quarterback uh, with Kenny Pickett. The way that they beat Miami at the end of last season, I think, has given them some momentum. And that's one of those games, right, that you've got circled that is a must-win for this team to get to six. It's, it's games against Pitt, Boston College, Wake Forest, NC State, and those non-conference games to try and, and, and pull it off. If they can get – if they can – then they have a great shot. But uh, right now I'm putting that Pittsburgh game in the Pittsburgh column, and so that's that's why I feel like they're going to fall one win short for making a bowl game this year. Andrea, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Again, Andrea Adelson from ESPN.com. Great job as always. Enjoy the football season. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks so much. You too. Always a pleasure to speak to our great friend, Andrea Adelson. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist and my very good friend, Jim Stickschulte. Jim, how are you today? I'm doing great, Wes. How are you? I'm great, Jim, because we are only a few days away from the start of the 2018 football season. Syracuse has graduated two of its top receivers and Steve Ishmael and Irv Phillips, leaving behind an unproven group of players. Your annual in-depth football preview is running this week. So who do you see as the breakout wide receiver on this offense? Well, I know that in the two years Babers has been at Syracuse, we've seen a very wide receiver-heavy offense. As you mentioned, Phillips and Ishmael, and the year before that, Phillips and Edatawa were dominant. Uh, So I can see how many might think Devin Butler makes sense. He's the leading returning wide receiver on the roster. But I'm actually going to go in a different direction. I would say Ravian Pierce, the tight end. Um, various outlets voted him a, a preseason ACC honors, a second-team, third-team conference mention. He's got a good size and speed combination, and he was very productive in junior college, had 29 receptions last year, his first year at SU. I think he could actually double that this year, maybe even more. And I think he has a shot at being all ACC when the season's over. Jim, let's take a look at the linebacker core now. Syracuse graduating three-year captain Zaire Franklin, and what's left of the group is very inexperienced. Who is going to emerge from this group? I really don't know if any of them are really going to emerge as a player who approaches the level of Zaire Franklin or Paris Bennett. The group as a whole is definitely short in experience. There's no denying it. Uh, you know. The one thing that instills hope is 
when the when the depth chart for the summer came out, the Syracuse defensive line was a four-two-five, so it seemed like they were going to lean on uh, the defensive backs, which are a much more experienced group than the linebackers on the roster. But when the depth chart came up for uh, the opener against Western Michigan, it was switched to a four-three base defense. Um, so even though there's a combination of experience and some high-end young talent in the defensive backfield, it was I think that suggests it's a posit- it's a little more of a positive thought about the linebacking crew coming out of camp. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're not locked into playing a 4-3 or a 4-2-5 or any defense they'll substitute like any team does. But the one thing I noted that was kind of interesting about the switch to the 4-3 before the opener is Western Michigan's depth chart lists a three wide receiver, one running back offense. So I thought the coaches must have something in mind if they're switching away from five DBs for a, t- to, for a season opener that uh, a team is going to run a lot of uh, multiple wide receiver packages. Jim, I got Andrea Adelson's predictions from the 2018 season before, so I'll ask you for two predictions. Can Eric Dungy stay healthy for a full season, and can Syracuse get six wins and return to the postseason? Um, I think I like Dungy's chance at health. I really do. The, the, the offensive line outside of Dungy is probably the strength of the offensive side of the ball. You know, they, you know, if you include Coda Martin's uh, starts at Texas A&M last year, they, were, they actually have six returning starters on the unit. And I think not only can they help keep Dungy unrighted and upright and in the pocket, they should also help open things up for the running game. I know Davers has to have been frustrated his first few years because they haven't really been able to get much going on the ground. But I think that offensive line could uh, could go a long way towards you know making the whole offense more effective, not less, and not just keeping uh, Dungy uh, on his feet and able to pick apart defenses. Um, I also like the defensive line. I think that's the strongest unit on that side of the ball as well, and hopefully. You know, if they can stuff the run and provide more of a pass rush, they can help make those inexperienced linebackers we were talking about look better and take some pressure off the DBs as well. Uh, and getting to the win six question, uh, well, there's, as SU has gone through a ACC a couple of times, one of the things that makes that six wins look a little harder is a couple of teams that they usually look at as, as fans look at as like, oh, that's a win. Well, they're not really wins anymore necessarily or automatic wins anyway. Um, but the schedule's not that bad. You know, the crossover matchups break out well for SU. Pitt and North Carolina were voted fifth and sixth in the Coastal Division. And if you setting aside the Notre Dame game, the non-conference schedule is, is certainly manageable. And frankly, the other three games should end up in the win column. So as you mentioned about uh, you know Dungy and healthy, I think it's, it's going to be a team-wide thing. And while the you know athleticism and skill has been coming up through recruiting uh, while Babers has been on campus. You know, if we need we need to see, you know, can someone who's on the second team get pushed into a first-team role and can they withstand? But I think they're going to fake it to six wins. You know, the, like I said, the lines are really – I think the offensive line is going to be a big improvement this year, and I think that's going to be the thing that makes the offense better, and if the offense can do more, it helps the defense put the opponents in bad position. I think they'll get to those six wins. Jim, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Uh, one of the programs we don't talk about much about Syracuse is the women's basketball team, and we should probably start talking about it because it keeps taking steps forward. Uh, this year, the team has the number eight recruiting class in the country, and it features two players who appeared in ESPN's top 11 uh, recruits in the country. And only four programs can say that they have uh, two women who are in that high of a team. The program has gone to the NCAA tournament for six straight years, and they're looking to make it 10 straight seasons of 20 wins or more. So if Quentin Hillsman continues to develop the program at the slow rate, he might someday be mentioned in the same breath as another Syracuse basketball coach.
Jim, my closing thoughts are on former Syracuse signing Darius Baisley, who announced he will not be playing in the G League after all. Baisley had some underwhelming performances against some of the prospects in that league, and I think it's a cautionary tale of a really talented player getting some bad advice. He's going to have to sit out a full season now before entering the NBA draft. That's it for us for Jim Stick Schulte. This is Wes Chang reminding you that I'm taking care of my procrastination issues. Just wait and see. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network.